Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. number four, Nehemiah chapter number four, I, I tried to get part of this out this morning on the broadcast and uh, not done with it, so I'm going to trust God to speak to us today. Uh, you ever get to the place you're not sure what to believe? Uh, you ever hear so many different things that you're not sure what's true? Well, hang on, we're going to talk about that here in just a second. Nehemiah chapter number 4. You know what? It's important just to remind you that you're not alone. Right? Everybody just like you are. Nobody knows, at least from the information from this world, we don't know what to believe and what not to believe or who to believe. But um, there is one that I can assure you is believable. One that can do all things and has made promises. You see, he even put his in writing. So there is a truth, and there is a truth that we need to believe. Nehemiah chapter number 4, we'll begin at verse number 1. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth, and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria, and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. And here we hear the prayer of Nehemiah. Hear, O our God. For we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity and cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. Verse 6, so built we the wall and all the wall was joined together and to the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Father, we pray for the unction of your spirit. You were clear in the scripture not to worry about what to say, and so we're trying. But you said you would provide what to say. In the hour that it was needed, the words that are necessary would be there. And so it's your words we're expecting. It's your spirit, Father. It's the unction of your Holy Spirit among us that as the words are spoken, we know them to be the words of God. Give us unction, Father, for we feel bound by this world. So we pray for the liberty of your spirit. We're trusting you as we ask, Lord, the earnest upon this opportunity, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. How many know that the enemy is a liar? 
But oh, how short our memories are. We need so often to be reminded, right? And I find that in myself that I so often need reminded. You know, I, I come to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And, and if I'm not preaching, I'm here and preaching. Or when I'm preaching, I'm here and preaching. And you know what? I find myself searching for more preaching on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Every opportunity that I have, I'm not tuned in to the country music station. You know what I'm trying to find? I'm trying to find more of God's voice. And when I can open up his word and look into the truth, I hear God's voice as well. And when I pray and I seek God, there is also that communication, that fellowship, that communion between God and me and God and you that is constantly sharing with us what? Truth. Truth. Because we live in a world that is full of lies. All around us, there's lies. I, uh, if you ask me today, well, what, what news source can I, can I trust? I don't know that I'd recommend any. I don't know that there's any one in particular. There's certainly some better than others. But then again, I do I know the truth as pertains to this world? Do I know really what's going on behind doors over here or, or over there? Or do I know really whether or not this can help us or can't help us or whether it's simply something that is the enemy, enemy's, enemy's toys? I don't know. But there are some things that I do know. I do have some things that are absolute, solid truth. And those are the things I hope that you and I are living with. Not the things of this world, and, and I can assure you that you'll be dismayed and you'll be fearful if all you do is pay attention to what's going on in the world. Right? Don't, don't anybody raise your hands, but how many of you are addicted to the information flow that we're used to today? Right? If anything's going to happen, you know what we know today? We're different than they were 50, 75 years ago. They had no idea there was going to be a hurricane in Louisiana. They just didn't know. Right? As a matter of fact, the people in Louisiana didn't know either. It just came and they dealt with it. And, and you know, we're living in a time when information is helpful. But there's also a certain amount of that information that I believe is a detriment to God's people. You know why? Because as, as human beings, we're apt to listen. We're apt to look at someone, and just because they have a tie on, we assume they have authority or are smarter than me. And the truth is, it's, it's more than likely not the truth that somebody with a tie on is not necessarily smarter than you are. I believe God's given us a, 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 what we need to know right here, right? If it come down to it and there were no news sources... How many are comfortable in saying, I've got what I need? Now, that terrifies some of you if all of a sudden your phones quit working. But that is, a, that is an indictment on our culture today, that we trust our phones more than we do the Word of God, that we trust a news source, we trust a government more than we do our God. There's a reason people are fearful and dismayed, and that's because they're trusting in the word of someone else. And I'm going to tell you this morning who that is, who that is. Nehemiah had got a commission from God to go and do something that was remarkable, extraordinary, a miracle in its very working. Nehemiah, having heard the report that Jerusalem laid in ruin, 
All the walls torn down. Now this had all happened many decades before when the Babylonians came in and did just what the prophets of God had said were going to happen. The, pro- the judgment of God occurred and, and when the Babylonians come in, they destroyed Jerusalem. And then there were even things that happened after that where they came in and whatever was left standing, they tore it down too. And what you had was a remnant of people that were just hanging on by thread in Jerusalem. They didn't have any protection. They didn't have a church. They didn't have a church leader. They didn't have anything that was normal. And yet this was the place that God said, I will put my name on it, Jerusalem. I will put my name in this place. He told, uh, he told Solomon as he began to build the temple he, and, and had built the temple when he dedicated it unto God, God said that I will dwell in that place. And he said every time that, that my people get out here somewhere, if they'll look back toward this place where my name is, he said I'll hear their prayer. Now I want you to know today that he's still the same God. He's still the same God. But here we find that Nehemiah was faced with a burden in his own heart to do something about it. Now, we're living in a time that we need people that are willing to do something about it. And everybody's wondering, what do I do? What can I do? And yet all of us need reminding that the greatest opportunity, the greatest ability that we've been given as the people of God is to go into the throne room and speak to God about it. Now, how many of us are doing that? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to indict anybody right out of the gate. But here's what I can tell you. If you don't have a prayer closet, you need one. If you don't have a time that you dedicate unto God each day to pray unto him and seek his will, you need it. You need to recognize the importance of getting closer to him. If you want to know what truth is, friend, you're going to have to get near the truth source. And we're going to have to turn off some of these others. Now, I'm not going to come to you on Sunday morning and rehearse what you've heard off of CNN. That's not my job. Amen. When I come to you, I'm not going to report to you all of the things that have happened throughout the week before and try to explain to you what's going on. That's not my job. I want you to understand that my responsibility solely is to preach this book. And I am absolutely convinced today that all you need is this book. If it comes to leaving anything out, I'm going to suggest to you today, this not be it. If it comes to excluding any event in your current life, I'm going to assure you today that the most important thing you can do is to make a commitment unto God and receive the Word of God every time you can. Whether that's Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, on Tuesday when it's replayed, or Monday, wherever you can hear the Word of God, I suspect today that what we're going to need as we go forward is not what comes on your TV. It is what comes from the Word of God. That, friend, is truth. We need to believe God and trust God. We need to recognize that what we need is the Word of God in our lives. We need truth. Now, what Nehemiah had was something that his enemies didn't have. Nehemiah had the commission of God upon his life, and he had went down to Jerusalem for a work. Now, God had done something extraordinary through Artaxerxes, the current ruler of the entire world during that day. And here was Nehemiah, the cupbearer to the king himself. He had been elevated to that position, I believe, for the purposes of God alone. 
It wasn't because Nehemiah was extra smart or that Nehemiah was this or that, but it was because God chose Nehemiah to do something in a generation where something needed to be done. And everybody that had gone before him, you see, Ezra had already went to Jerusalem some 13 years before Nehemiah would ever make the trek into the broken city Jerusalem. Ezra had already gone. And Ezra had been down there trying to get the temple of God rebuilt, trying to get it on its foundations, trying to establish something again that would establish uh, the truth of God preached in that city one more time. And what Nehemiah or what Ezra couldn't accomplish, amen, God was going to use Nehemiah to finish. And there was a purpose in Nehemiah's heart. I want to ask you today, is there a purpose in your heart? Have you got a work to do? You know, it helps all of us if we just recognize that we've got a job to do. I believe some Christians excuse themselves from the commission of the Lamb. Amen. When he sent the disciples out, he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How many of us know that that is everyone's responsibility? everyone's responsibility is to tell someone else about Jesus, amen, every day, all the time. We ought to have a burden in our heart when we look around and we see the destruction and the rubbish that is laying about us from the enemy's toils and snares and working about us. What we ought to see is that Jesus Christ is not dead. You see, the truth will set us free. Nehemiah went down there and he began to do just exactly what God had called him to do. He began to establish civil civil rule and authority in the city once more. And yet for him to do that, God had gave him a particular task and that was to rebuild the walls and the gates. So he went down there, not just as a governor, and yet that was Artaxerxes' plan, is that he would be the governor of Jerusalem. And he went down there with the authority of the king. But he went down there for the purpose of God. And in spite of what the enemy may say or may do with you or with me, may I say to you today is that we have a purpose. When we assemble, we have, an, we have a purpose. I'm glad to, today that I can say to you that every person in this house that is a child of God has a reason. When you wake up every day, it is not meaningless. If you're a child of God, you have a reason for waking up. If he didn't need you anymore, he'd take you home. If there wasn't a purpose for you, you'd already be gone. And yet God has left you here and some of us are mumbling about and stumbling around as if we don't know what it is that we're to do. May I say to you today that you have a reason and that reason ought to be to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ that others may come to know him. There's no greater reason than for living than that alone that others may know. And yet how many of us live our lives convinced that the most important thing is who? Ourselves. There's no question about where our fidelity lies when it comes to God. Right? Because what we do is we please the flesh first. And that's contrary to the will of God. Right? What we ought to do, the Bible said in Matthew six thirty three, is to seek the kingdom of God first and all this other stuff he said will be added unto you. Quit worrying about everything else that you're worrying about and recognize that there's still a God in heaven and he still has a purpose and in everything that's going on today, though I can't understand it and I don't understand truly what's going on and how bad it is everywhere, what I can say to you today is that God Almighty is still on the throne and that his son is still the ruler.
Now, that ain't changed. Nehemiah chapter number 4. What we find is when people begin to do the work of God that there's an enemy out there that hates it. We have an adversary. Amen. What I want to say to you from Job chapter number 1 this morning is there was a council going on in heaven and you know who walked in? The devil himself walked in and God asked him a question. He said, where you been? What have you been doing? Not like God didn't know, but he asked Satan the question. From whence comest thou? And you know what he said to him? The devil answered the Lord, and he said, from going to and fro, walking up and down around the earth. May I say to you today, the devil is at work. And his power today is real, and his power is greater than me. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about me. Me in the flesh, I'm not standing toe-to-toe with the devil. Why? Because he's supernatural. He's a created being, different than a human being. And brother, he has power that I don't have. But may I also say that there is one that lives in me that has all power. And the devils and all the devils have no power at all against him. And according to the word of God, he is with me. There's nowhere that I go that the Holy Spirit of God does not go with me. So you tell me at what point, at what time that I look out and recognize the devil is doing what the devil does. Should I be afraid or should I be dismayed knowing that the all-powerful King of Kings dwells with me? That's truth, you see. That's truth. What the world wants you to believe is that we've got no hope. Right? That Now, I'll give you this. It certainly looks like we're nearing the end. But that's just more of a reason for me to come to church and preach the gospel. Amen. The closer we get there, the Bible said, don't look down. He said, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. We need to recognize the signs of the time instead of stumbling around. Amen. We can figure out, as Jesus said, what the sky is and say, well, there's going to be good weather or bad weather, and yet we can't discern the signs of the times and recognize that all around us, everything is pointing to the end. Now, that's truth. That's just truth. But I want you, what the world wants you to believe is that if we'll do this, it gets better. If we'll change that, it gets fixed. Let me tell you something. If the answer does not involve Jesus, it's not true. Because it ain't going to happen. Right? You can socially change everything in this world. And let me remind you, God did not call me as a preacher to change this culture. Right? He did not call me to come up with some slick new idea on how we're going to get out of this mess. What he did, though, was give me a book that is filled with his promises, and he said that if we would do what he said, that he can do anything. Nehemiah was on his way, and as he got there, he found out that the task truly was huge. He looked around the city. The Bible said for three days he didn't do nothing but wander around looking. I believe believe as he looked around the city, and he went to every part of Jerusalem, and he saw the wall was not up, not one place. There wasn't one gate standing. There wasn't one means of him being able to fortify that city in any other way except just stopping right then and recognizing that the job God sent him to do was the job at hand. And that was to do what? Build a wall. Build a wall. I wish to God today that we'd recognize the importance of building a wall. Building some kind of fortification around our homes and our families that we recognize that there is an enemy and the enemy's coming. Right? The enemy's already here. What the Bible said in verse number 1 
is that as soon as they found out that there was somebody in Jerusalem that had a heart, somebody in Jerusalem that had a backbone, somebody in Jerusalem, even though he'd just arrived, that had a purpose, and his purpose was to build a wall. You know what? It made the devil mad. It made him mad. He had enjoyed decades of looking at Jerusalem, the city of God, and seeing it laying in ruin. He had rejoiced, and he had built up his crowd, and he had exalted his own crowd, and all around was the enemy of God. Now, as far as I'm concerned, Nehemiah had walked into an impossible task. As I looked on on, on YouTube and things the other day of the destruction in Middle Tennessee... And I saw the rubbish, the just piles of debris and cars and homes just torn into splinters and all piled up in giant heaps. I thought to myself, it'll take them months to clean all that up. I thought that the biggest problem, right? You see, there's still X number of people that are missing. You know where they're at? They're in that rubbish. They're hid in, in, in the mess that was left behind through that destruction. May I say to you today that there was rubbish upon rubbish in that place. And when Nehemiah got there, he recognized that he had a problem. And the first thing that happened is that it made the devil mad that somebody was going to do something. Let me tell you something. If New Providence Church gets revived of the Holy Spirit of God... If we get on fire for God and begin to do in what God said for us to do, we're going to have opposition. There is an enemy, according to the scripture, that goes about as a roaring lion. Now, the thing about a roaring lion is that you can hear it. And that's a good thing, right? I, I like to know when there's something dangerous nearby. It's when he don't say nothing that I get in trouble. But when we can detect the lies of the devil, amen, that is our indication that we need to perk up and be vigilant and sober as the apostle Peter said, for we have an adversary who goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. May I say to you today, the devil's mission is still also to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not changed. And I'll tell you the way he starts is he starts by lying. He starts with words. And it's those words that the enemy uses first to try to tear down the house of God. There's been a lot of people through words have lost their own heart for God, right? There's a lot of people that have made choices based upon someone else's word, someone else's truth. And those words they have received as truth and that truth has set their heart in motion to decide this or to do that. May I say to you today that if there is any truth that goes against contrary to the truth of God, it is not truth. Right? What the world wants you to believe today is that you can have your truth and you can have your truth and I can have my truth and it's all still truth. Truth, therefore, being just relevant to the one who has it. And I say to you today, that's not true. It's not even sensical, right? It's not even right. What color is this? What color is this? Is this yellow? Why? Because it's red. Don't even make any sense. What color is this? Thank you. It is not yellow. You say, why is it not yellow? Because it's red. Right? Two plus two equals. Why doesn't it equal five? 
because it equals four. These are simple things, people. This is true. And everything that varies from this is not true. Why is it not true? Because this is true. Right? This is truth. You, you can't have multiple truths. Right? You, you, that doesn't even work in one's mind. How one thing could be true here and another thing true over here. Listen, it's either true or it's not true. And what we have here is truth. And what I want you to see is that our enemy, his very desire and his very first means of attack upon the people of God is via words. And words are are pummeling people every day. Words that roll out as if they're true. That roll out with a, some kind of scientific statistic. They roll out as if it's, it's something that is undeniably true. May I say to you today that if it is not the word of God, you cannot be certain of one's truth. Amen. Now that ought to set some people free. Right? That ought to just relieve some people in saying, I'm glad that wasn't true. Or I'm glad that, that I can't look at that and say, you know what? That is undeniably going to happen because they are the authority or truth. Again, there's not but one authority and it ain't you. It ain't some, some political figure in Washington, D.C. Right? It is not the leader of a Taliban. It's not the leader of a rock band. There is nobody true but Jesus. And if their truth doesn't align with his truth, then it's just not true. And yet it's the very thing that the enemy does. The Bible said in the book of Corinthians, Paul told them, he said, we're not ignorant of the devices of Satan. Right? How many of you are ignorant to how he acts? The Bible said Jesus himself said this very thing. He said that the the devil is a liar and he's the father of a lie. He's been a liar from the beginning and a murderer from the beginning. How many of us don't believe that is true? We know it's true. The devil's a liar. And so what the enemy uses in every attack against the people of God, he starts first with words. Words. And what you're going to find is that even when he even plans something that is physical, it's words that brings it about. All he is is trying to make threats against the people of God. Because here's what the devil knows that you have forgotten is that God is in control always. Now he knows that. It's you and me that need to be reminded of its truth. Is that there's nothing we face that God doesn't know all about. Now... I want to look for just a minute, and I'm not going to preach all this. We'll try to finish it tonight or next week whenever God gives it. But, but look at this. The Bible said, here's what, here's what Sanballat said. He said, what do these feeble Jews? Right? And I'll tell you right now, if, if there's ever anything that bothers me about how the devil lies to you and to me, is the first thing he says is, are you kidding? That won't help. That won't matter. You think you can actually do something that is effective for God? Look around you. It's getting worse. It ain't getting better. Why would you continue on? What is the point? It's not making any difference. Why don't you just quit? What do these feeble Christians? Ain't that the way the world sees it today? Right? 
Now, we've always been the minority. There's no question about that. But here's what I'm saying to you, that God plus any number is the majority. So regardless of how the world views me, it doesn't make any difference. If it was just me and God, let me tell you something, y'all in trouble. Because I'm not, I, he's, he's not on my side, I'm on his side. And God is still in control. He said, what do these feeble Jews, right? Do they actually think that they can do something? Now, I think it's a formidable question, right? Because as I look in the eyes of, of Christian believers, not just in this church, but in others, as I look in the eyes of people, you know what's hiding behind some of them blinkers? It's doubt. Some have actually let doubt come into their mind because they've listened to the lies of the, the, the roaring lion. They've listened to him roar enough that they actually think that he can get his teeth in them. The devil has no more ability to get to me than what God allows. When he went after Job, you know how he did it? Handcuffed. Right, the Job or devil started lying about Job. And he said, "Oh, he said if you just take that hedge down around him, he said he'll curse you." Right, there's the lies right out. And the Bible, God told him, He said, "Take what he's got." He said, "But you can't take his life." So the devil went into that circumstance handcuffed. Right, there was only so much he could do. Do you realize today that God still does that? Amen. And that there are circumstances that God allows me to be tried. And if it is tried of God, I can assure you the outcome is meant for good. But if it is the devil tempting me, the outcome is meant for bad. That's how you know the difference. That's how you know the difference between testing and trying. Is if it's meant for good, it was of God. If it's meant for bad, it was of your enemy. Now, what we know about the truth is that the devil is a liar. And all he can do, friend, to the people of God is lie about it. Lie about it. Here we find, he said, what do these feeble Jews? And then he asked the question, he said, will they fortify themselves as if they couldn't do it? Right? And that's the way the devil looks at it today. Right? He, he's tickled to death that he's got, that got people running. Right? Got churches divided. Got people sitting at home instead of, instead of coming to the house of God. The devil just finds it, I'm sure, hilarious when he looks around and sees people believing what he's saying. May I say to you today that there is a God and he is still in control. Either that's true or he's not God. Now, I'm not sure who you really, really want to believe, but I can tell you within my own flesh, the flesh wants to believe all this stuff going around. But what does the word of God say? Well, as the devil began to roar against Nehemiah, he said, what do these feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they actually believe they can fortify themselves? Do they actually believe they'll get a temple built and they'll go to sacrificing, worshiping God again? Do they actually believe that'll happen? Right? Do you really believe that God could revive the church, that a spirit of revival could go through this land that could save multiple thousands and build the church of Christ? Do you actually believe that that could happen? If you don't believe it, you believe the lie of the devil. Right? He's roared enough until you give up. Right? He ain't bit you once. How come? Because... He can't bite you. 
If he ever gets a, teeth, a tooth on you, it'll be because God thought it good for you. And God meant it for good. And I can assure you what God means for good, he'll bring you out of. The Bible said in every temptation, God said, I'll make a way of escape. And I'll never put on you more than you're able to bear. Right? Don't we forget that? And the devil all the while was just flapping his jaws. Right? He never put a hand on Nehemiah. Nehemiah never looked in the eyeballs of Sambalot. But that's what the devil does. The devil was just running his mouth. A liar. A liar from the beginning. And friend, he's still a liar today. I can I contend that there's a lot of people that have bought into the lie. All around this country, there are people who have just bought into the lie. But I tell you today that God is still truth. And every man a liar. We're not the truth. And we have to get to the place that we recognize that the importance of God's word is more today than it's ever been before. Why? Because the amount of lies coming at each and every one of you every day is unprecedented. It's never been like that in the history of mankind. We have never as a human being had to deal with so many ways of lie. Radio, TV, Facebook, all this other stuff. Think about it. The human brain has never been asked to stand against such an outbreak, an absolute entourage of lies. And you know what we do? We still turn our TV on. We still look through our phones. We still read those newspapers. We still listen to those radio stations. And knowing... That a lot of what we're hearing, right, if you're not listening to a gospel station of some sort, right, and I, I contend you've got to check them too, then you're probably hearing the lies of the roaring lion. And that's all he's doing is roaring. Sanballat made all of, his, all of his questionable boasts. Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish? All good questions. But you know what? They're questions of the enemy. Because really, that is the question of the enemy, is will they actually rise up and do something? Because here's what the devil knows. If the people of God ever come together and the Holy Spirit fire gets a hold of all of us, he don't have a chance. He knows that. That really is the questions of the devil. What will these feeble Christians do? Now, how many would say, but I am feeble, right? Yeah, I am feeble. I don't know if I can deal with this rubbish. I'm at the point that I think it's all rubbish now, right? I'm, I'm sick of it. It's all rubbish and it's all obstacles that the enemy keeps piling up to say, you can't climb that. You can't move that. It's too big now. It's lost. Give up. And yet, what do we know about God? That's no heal for God, right? That's no power for God. It's not a problem. All right. The devil told his lies. Why? Because he was mad. He was mad that somebody was actually there to do something. Now, you know, you say... Preacher, if you don't quit, the devil's going to get mad at us. 
Bless God if he ain't mad at us. We ain't doing nothing. I don't know what you're in it for, but I've been commissioned. I've been given a job. I've got something I've got to do. I've got to build this wall. And is it going to make the devil mad? Yes. When we start doing something, it will make the devil mad. But I've got to ask you the question, are you more afraid of the devil or of God? Which one bothers you most? If I've got to disobey somebody, who do you think that ought to be? Made them mad. You know what Nehemiah did? All right, I'm going to try to close it. Nehemiah didn't pick up the phone and said, Hey, devil, I need to talk to you. No. Nehemiah didn't get on his pony and run out into the middle of the desert and say, Where is Sanballat? I got a word for him. Nehemiah did not get on his Facebook and said, Hey, you meet me here and we're going to talk about this. What did Nehemiah do? The one thing that most Christian people ain't doing. He took his problem and the roaring lion to God. What Nehemiah believed was that the commission and the purpose of God was was greater than the, the, the breathing lies of all of his enemies. Nehemiah went to God. And he said, hear, O our God, for we are despised. Amen. I'm talking about us. Now, we could pray this prayer, we are despised, and turn their reproach, turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity and cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee for they have provoked not me they have provoked you to anger what did Nehemiah do? instead of running his mouth he went to God and prayed How many of us believe that prayer still works? Right? If your God is dead, prayer don't work. If your God ain't dead, prayer works. We have a God today that hears our prayers. As a matter of fact, He tells us to pray. He tells us He'll hear our prayer. He tells us He'll answer our prayer. We have a God today that can deal with the lies of the devil. A roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Yes. But do I have something greater than that? Not a question. Not a question, I hope. So Nehemiah does what Nehemiah is supposed to do. Nehemiah took his problem to the Lord. Right? Now I could go back through, through scores of examples in the Word of God of men of simple sense did the same thing. Right? When Hezekiah was in trouble, what did he do? He took it to the Lord. Right? When the men of God were in trouble, what did they do? They built them an altar and they prayed and amen. They turned it over to God and said, this is your problem. 
His problem ain't with me, though it's pointed at me. His problem is with you. A roaring lion? Nehemiah prayed. But that ain't all that Nehemiah did. Right? What does it say he did in verse number 6? Right? Verse number 4 and 5, the Bible said that Nehemiah, he set his heart and he began to pray to God. And he, he took everything, these lying people, heathen of God, of the world, against God. He took everything they said and he said, Lord, here's what they're saying. But I know that you didn't send me down here to start debating with the roaring lion. You sent me down here to build a wall. So, Lord, I'm going to leave this little problem in your hands. And I'm going to start doing what you told me to do. You get where we're going, right? Once you have prayed and you have taken the lies of the enemy that infiltrate our hearts and our minds and you have taken these lies and you take them to God. What did he say? He said, cast all your care. He said, bring it all to me. Right? And by the authority of God's word, I can do this. I can say, God, here's what they're saying about you. Would you just deal with that? I need to get back to work. Lies everywhere. Everywhere. There's never been a day in the history of mankind there's been as many lies as are perpetrating the church today. But I'll tell you what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to take it to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. We're going to have to take it to God and say, hey, this is yours. What they're saying is not against me. What they're saying is against you. And by the way, you can handle it. I can't. You didn't call me here to stand toe-to-toe with the devil and banter back and forth with words. Right? If you think for one minute it's helping anything by you engaging with a bunch of words, right, those aren't going to be the, what, what makes the difference. When we all begin to take our cares unto God and say, hey, here's what they're saying. Look at this lie, Lord. And we leave that there. And you know what we need to do? We need to get back to work. What did he call you to do? Right? He's called every one of us to, to serve one another and to serve him. He's gave us a heart and a book full of, of his word. That is truth, and he's called us to live that way. And so Nehemiah just got back to work. He had heard the devil make all his blags and all his... And Nehemiah just went to God, and he said, hey, here's what he's saying. He said, I'm going to let you handle this. And Nehemiah, he got right back to what he was doing. And the Bible said, so he builded the wall. And you know what? In verse number 6, they, they got that sucker bit. They got half of it done. You know why they got half of it done? Because they quit listening to the lying devil. And they got back to work. They took all their worry and their fear and they cast it on God. Said, you got this? We're going to build a wall. Now, I don't know about you, but spiritually speaking, we got work to do. We got a wall to build. Listen, there's rubbish in your home and in your home. There is piles of it all around us that need to be dealt with. We need a mind to work. We need a willing heart that will get to the doing what God has called us to do, that we might be the people of God in a dark world. 
a work to do. And yet we find people of God so discouraged and disheartened that, that you can't even get them to come to church regularly. Listen to me, people. We've got to, we've got to get past this. We've got to take the lines to the Lord. And we need to get back to work. Now, he's called me to praise him. He's called me to worship him. He's called me in so many different ways. That, I mean, over and over, the Word of God has called us to be a light in this dark world. You've got work to do. You've got work to do. And I'll tell you right now that if we as a people will have a mind to do it is what do what it is he said for us to do, you know what? We'll get some things done. Well, Nehemiah, he said, well, he said, we got this thing built all the way to the half. And he said, it ain't all the way up yet, and the gates ain't up. He said, but hey, we got stones on every inch of ground around this city now. He said, half this thing's built, he said, because the people had a mind to work. And was the devil done? Is the devil ever done? No, there'll be a day the devil's done. That's when they, they grab hold of him and they cast him into that pit. He'll be done. Until they turn him loose and he'll go back at it. And then after that, he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And then he'll really be done. But he's not done now. He wasn't done with Nehemiah. I may preach that tonight. I'll see. But here's what I want you to know. The devil ain't ever done. But you ain't either. The very minute you think you're done, you have just believed a lie. I had an old person tell me one time, said, let that younger person do it. I'm old. And I just looked at him. I said, I don't care if they're five or a hundred. If God gave it to you to do. Don't be trying to pour it on some young person just because of their age. Right? I mean, don't drag poor Tish in it. If he gave it to you to do, do it. Right? That's the point, is that we leave it to God, and we do what he called us to do. And you know what we'll see? We'll see the wall built. We'll see the wall built. Come get a song. The devil wasn't done, and, and he was going to try harder, right? The devil will try harder. Everything we do for God will have opposition. It's got opposition now. Right? I don't have I don't have to tell you what he does to me, but there's there's plenty of opposition when you're trying to do something for God. But I contend that we can build this wall. I, I don't care what time of day it is spiritually, he's not come back yet. That means I've still got work to do. Right? And and I can't discount it. There is no other work faith greater than his. I try everything in the world to justify why I ought to do all these other things. And yet ultimately the greatest work to be done is what he told me to do. Because when I get to heaven, he's not going to say, I'm glad you didn't do what I said and did all this other meaningless stuff. No, he's going to look at me and he say, why didn't you do what I told you to do? And he's going to say, here's the 12 people whose blood is on your hands because you refused to obey my word. Yeah, you got to work an extra 10 hours that week and you got to get some some other... But you know what? In eternity, those things meant nothing. 
And yet there's 12 souls or 15 souls or 20 souls that never heard a peep out of you because you were doing something that did not matter. And they died and they went to hell. And their blood is on my hands because I did not warn them. Because I thought something more important than serving God with all of my heart. You can believe a lie if you want to. I'm just telling you they're lies. And believing a lie will get you nowhere. But doing the truth, taking the lies of the enemy unto God and saying, you know what? I'm just going to trust you for this this roaring lion. He's done said what he's going to do to me. As far as I know, Lord, he, he wants to kill me. But I'm just going to leave that in your hands. Because what I believe is that the devil can't do anything to me that you don't allow. And I'm just going to get back to work. I'm going to get back to doing what you've told me to do. What, you've, what you've, you've bought me for with a price. That I might be a child of God. A son of the Father. And you've given me work to do. We need to be about the Father's business. Stand as we sing. You know your heart today. I don't know it. But I can tell you this. Time's running out. Time is running out on those things that we have to do. The Bible said it like this. said, you better do them while the sun's shining because night is quickly coming when no man will work. The work that he's given us to do. We have daylight hours, spiritually speaking. Now's the time. Some of you have got health. Right? We've got loved ones. We've got people of this church that don't have health no more. Guess what? They're limited in what they can do physically. And I hope they didn't wait too late. I hope they didn't put off what they could have done. They didn't put it off until another day, and now they're not able. Right? That could happen to any one of us. What you've got to do, you better get it done. We've got to work to do in this church, and we've got to, and it takes all of us, friend. It takes all of us. Don't excuse yourself. It takes all of us. Everyone that can, I hope today, if you'll just do this, everyone that can, consider in your heart right now where you stand with God. And if you're not right, get right. You know what that means? It's between you and God, but get right. Pray that prayer. Call on Him. He can help you. As we sing, would you come?